must know it's carpooling because it's a podcast that started with, well. Did I say well? Hearts and Alarms again? Yeah. Well, yeah. well I know he said Hearts and Alarms, but did I say well at the beginning of that? You did. Man, you know what it is? I just hope all our listeners are doing well. That's so true. So I start out with some well wishes. Well, warm, glad tidings, uh, seasons of new joy. Just kidding. I hate our listeners. Yeah, they're the worst. I hope they're doing real bad I today. I can't believe they burned down Notre Dame. Hey, I hope you guys are having a bad day. I hope you're having a really stinky pooty day. Do you mind? No, I don't. What kind of show is this? Is this? Is, this is. Well, this is Carl Chris. A show hosted by two brothers in a dumb car, um, where we have good ideas. Dumb car, better ideas. Yeah, we talk about philosophy, religion, politics, psychology. You name it. If it's interesting, we talk about it. And yeah, we do it all from the inside the cab of a moving Honda 2010 Civic. 2010 Honda Civic is how any normal person would say that. I wanted to say it differently. In fact, I get so nervous because I always say it wrong. I like, was like the entire time was like, gosh dang it, I'm going to say it wrong. I know it. I feel it in my bones. I'm not good at radio, Chris. I don't know why you wanted to do this show with me. I, Hunter, I think that every time we get in the 2010 Honda Civic. Thank you. Now let's talk about what happened right before we got in the car. It seems like we're lightning rods for funny crap happening when we're about to start filming this show. Oh my god, this yes. Show. We're, we're getting in the car today, and we're getting the mic set up and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And this kid walks out of the front of an apartment complex, yep. and his his family's parked uh, in the roundabout right there in front of it. And he's got a, a Coke. He's walking he, with his sister, and yeah, she's got a Fanta grape. She's got a Fanta. Yep. He's got a Coke. His left hand, and he's drinking the Coke. In his left hand, he's got a Sprite, and it's Boy, not howdy. open. This kid is absolutely going to town on this Sprite. As soon as he got under the window line of the car, he starts shaking the Sprite as hard as I've ever seen uh, a kid shake a soda. That was a landmine of a sentence I'm glad I got out of. Uh, and then drove right back in. So, anyhow. He was right back into that traffic. Unfortunately, we couldn't stick around long enough to see who he gave it to, but he opened up the driver's door, and I think... There's someone in the passenger seat. Yeah, but I think... I watched him put it in the driver's cup holder. If so, uh, here's to you, kid. Here's to you, kid. That's, I mean, it's not very creative. It's It's an act of bravery, though. It's an act of defiance. If you, like, I'll, I'll take you back to when we were wee lads, Chris, and imagine being in your father's car and presenting him with said trap. That would be a death sentence. It would be a death sentence. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, not only would he just be furious that we had done something like that, but in his car, of all places. Right, exactly. (laughs) But but here's the thing that that no amount of parental treachery or anger can change. (laughs) Freaking hilarious. When they open it up for the first time, that's that's good slapstick comedy. Uh, Props to you, young boy. Here's to you, sir. Uh, All right, well, I have, like... I, I, let's get into our favorite segment. Uh, studio enhancements. Studio enhancements. I put air pressure in the back left tire because it was getting low. We got air pressure in the back left tire of the studio, guys. That's it. And now Done. we're we're rolling and recording. It's more safe and more secure. So secure, so safe, and we're saving that environment with this good MPG we're getting. So you're welcome. Let's jump into uh, the real favorite the segment. real favorite segment, which would be roadkill, Hunter. I have so much for roadkill. I think, and Christopher, I'm I'm very happy for you, uh, but but I, but I think I can guess one of them at least. Okay, guess one. And I think I think if it is is the uh, the infighting between 
<laughs> our favorite, our most beloved, cherished member of Roadkill, AOC. We could talk. <laughs> we could talk. And About we are. How Nancy Pelosi said that a <laughs> glass of water with a D next to it would win AOC's district. Oh my goodness. On the record, no less. Like, it's one thing to say that in, like, the back room to your family, if that's how you feel, but, like, in the New York Times. <laughs> and we could talk about how Pelosi called the AOC wing of the party, quote, like four people. Yep. Yep. That one was a while ago, which is but just... <laughs> this week, now Nancy Pelosi is apparently racist. Right. That that has been the thing that's been like... Like, it was so obvious that that was a bad argument forever ago. Like, person doesn't respect me therefore racist right like, exactly like that that's a really that's horrible and it and it only works as if you can say you're part of a group that's oppressed which right. is which should show you just how bad that argument is like right. it only works if you can like make someone feel guilty for something that they didn't do and look Pelosi very well might be racist we don't know no we don't but we're uh, pretty sure she is <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing here's the thing she Pelosi is appeals to the quote unquote oppressed demographics constantly. Correct. Yeah. And what I I think I've been saying it on the show for a while, but eventually this is the this is Ouroboros. This is the snake that eats its own tail. Yes, this kind exactly. of circular reasoning where everything comes back to the same location regardless of its origin mm. is obviously going to eat itself. And now you have uh, AOC effectively accusing Nancy Pelosi of racism because of her continual targeting of freshmen quote women of color. And it's the same it's the same thing that Kamala Harris did to Joe Biden exactly. during the second uh I what do they call that the pre democratic presidential debates? Yeah. Uh, okay. Um where she says you're not racist but right. And then it's like that that's such you're a dirty... not racist, but you hate black people. Well, I mean, like, and let's be fair, they didn't say that to them. And it's like you would have a really hard. Here's the thing: you would have a really hard time calling Nancy Pelosi or Joe Biden racist bluntly because they have a record of doing things that is clearly in opposition to that, and they could, or at least pandering, right? Or at least pandering, right? Which or, maybe pandering is more racism anyway, but that's a catch twenty two, right? You, you, tangent there, but you, but yes, and so but like the point is like. But you can cage it that way and say, like, I don't think you're a racist, but this one action you took smells like racism is what that says. And it's like, you should go back on that and repent because you've committed the sin of racism is what they're really saying. And so it's just it's just an underhanded way to refer to someone as racist. Right. And, and well, and in the when, case, when you don't have the good outstanding to actually come out and say that. Exactly. Right. And. The thing that just annoys me extra about AOC's comment is that I think it's pretty clear that Nancy Pelosi has a pretty hard job to do with reining the moderates in, uh, along with the socialists in her party. Sure. Uh, clean your house, Democrats, but... And and Republicans, clean your house, too. Everybody just get a mop. Sure, but... There's it, a lot of mops needed. I don't think it has anything to do with the color of the freshman Democrat skin. I think it has something Absolutely to do not. with that they have terrible ideas. Absolutely and that, correct. AOC's eyes kind of make her look like an uh, extraterrestrial. I think it has mostly to do with those two things. Christopher, you've gone after Carlos Maza. You're going after AOC. I mean, it's a matter of time before Steve Jobs does resurrect himself. And when come Hillary after us. Clinton ordered the assassin, it no I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm just, just going to make all the all the powerful enemies that I can. Right. 
Lizard Nan- people. Nancy We're done. Pelosi will pass a law uh, outlawing uh, my existence. Hillary Clinton will have me killed, and AOC might make me a bad old fashion. Uh, each using their own superpowers. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, let's let's jump into the. Well, there was more. There's an article in the New York Times about how air conditioning is sexist. Oh my god, I forgot uh, about that. It wasn't actually that flagrant. I went and read the whole article. It wasn't as bad as people were making out to be, but still, it's kind of funny. The fact the fact that well, the fact that like socialist magazines were writing that like bosses needed to give the power of the air, uh, air conditionings over to the workers is utterly ridiculous yeah pay, pay uh, so. for the air conditioning then talk or, um, or just maybe or just maybe we can have one one thing in our lives that doesn't revolve into politics like one or thing or at least doesn't one. devolve into into oppressed versus oppressor right uh, and how can the how can the greedy the, capitalists and their cold temperatures how can the air conditioning be something that has to be talked about in newspapers and cannot just be a conversation with your boss yeah that's yeah like how 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 have we gotten that far from the plot and are that scared and that timid and that worthless of a people the like put on some are as rubbery as they appear put on some freaking boots and take off the slippers of comfort you hooligans uh, or, anyway. or put on the overcoat of okay. of hard work sure. I, I don't know this metaphor is breaking down and put, then there is put on the diamond earrings of the bone washing <laughs> Put on the headphones of clipping again. Um, Sorry. <laughs> Sorry again. Um, Sorry. Any, I'm not good at radio. <laughs> I like this new running tagline, though. It's going to be good. Hi, I'm Hunter, co-host for a radio show. I'm not that good at it. I'm very um, bad. Also, there was, what's her name? Rapino? Rapino? Rap, the, the soccer lady? Oh, yeah, with yeah, the, yeah, I deserve this. Cringe oh, inside wow. out. And no, it has nothing to do with you being an uh, unmitigated lesbian. It has everything to do with the fact that you are eternally stuck up, that you play for the national team, that you walked on the American flag. It, it just has to do with that you are a, a resolute and retrospect douche. Yeah, that, that one. That the, one, though. The, but keep telling, keep telling yourself it's because I don't like the idea of women sleeping with women. Um, mm, it's so whatever uh, makes you happy. So upsetting. My Google history has something to say about that. No, I'm just kidding. Wow. Um, mom? At, you're <laughs> listening. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a joke. All right, it's gang, a joke, it's mom. It's a joke. It's a joke, mom. Um, but it... Wink. <laughs> but wink. But at, it's a joke. At any rate, okay. let's skip past all of that just... You know, pop culture nonsense. Yeah, and get to something really that actually matters. We didn't matters. spend a lot of time in that roadkill segment. Yeah, we just, we so gave, we're at eleven minutes. We're give at or take. Minutes. All right, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I guess we could like maybe just say what happened and then maybe kind of like talk about it because there's so much to talk about. I feel like with this, but yeah, um, and we're a little bit behind the times on this one, guys, because we were celebrating America's birthday. America. Happy birthday, America! Yeah. Um, Way to go. You did it. Yeah, got it. another one. Yeah. And another one. DJ Khaled. Two years of Trump couldn't even keep it down. Way to go. But has it just been two? Uh, I guess so. Well, almost three. Almost three. Um, I don't know. Yes, yeah, almost three. Almost three. Yeah. So, two and a half years couldn't keep you down. Let's be super clear about this because it really matters uh, to our whole podcast that we get this one fact correct. I'm listening? That No, just the time. Just the time of how long Trump's been in office. So, <laughs> that's yeah. all. Yeah, no, that's basically all our podcast is about. Yeah. Today is two years. Okay. So actually getting to the thing now. Um, so basically, a journalist uh, associated with 
Colette Magazine and several other uh, outlets, including I think CNN and the Wall Street Journal and more, uh, Andy Ngo was beaten um, in a Antifa riot about, I think at this point, around two weeks ago. That he was covering at the time. He was covering at the time, yep. This happened in Portland, Oregon. Uh, yep. The city that brought you such hits as Starbucks and allowing their downtown sector to become a cesspool for what are effectively uh, domestic I, terrorists. I think you got Portland, Oregon confused with Seattle, Washington. Yeah. Let the record show that we didn't make that mistake. They're like four inches apart. They are I, like I, four I, inches I apart. I don't care yeah, anymore. Yeah, they're, they're the same state. Everybody over there sucks. Correct. Um, there was something about Starbucks now is like not allowed to... No, no, no. Starbucks made a cop leave their, their dining room Heard because that. somebody felt unsafe. It's amazing. Oh, my Lanta. Look up one statistic about cops oh, um, amazing. in but, your neighborhood. But but yeah, so in Portland, there was this Antifa riot. riot. This journalist, Andy, Andy Go was no. down there. Andy No, excuse me. Zero. Um, It was down there, and he, uh, and he was beaten. He was he, so they they hit him, kicked him a couple of times. They stole his camera equipment, threw milkshakes at him. They threw milkshakes at him, which is the new hilarious thing that the left is doing. They right. think it's hilarious to throw milkshakes, right? Um, which is uh, it's it's aggravated assault or battery at least at a minimum. Um, at any rate, and then he's live streaming this event, right? Because he's covering it. Yep. And uh, oh, by the way, uh, just you know, the left talking about eating their own so to speak he uh is a gay asian man right uh so, vietnamese to be absolutely precise yes uh a subset of asian mm -hmm. very good hunter yeah um if you look at a venn diagram <laughs> so anyhow, this is just a circle anyhow That's it. so they they beat the crap out of him and right. he's still live streaming and then he goes back on his live stream and what i would assume was partial shock. It looks like shock at yeah. the beginning of when, it. when he's talking and he's covered in blood and covered in milkshake and uh, they basically beat the crap out of him for committing the crime of trying to cover what they were doing. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and, and to be clear, these are the anti-fascists. Right. If you're having a hard time distinguishing them from the fascists, you're in good company. Right. Um, and to make a long story a little bit shorter, uh, Andy goes to the hospital um, and is basically diagnosed with, he, you know, he's been bruised, he's been beaten, um, no broken bones, uh, but he actually had some brain hemorrhaging. Yeah. Um, and so, like, although his physical, or his, they're all physical, but although his, you know, apparent injuries seem to be being healed, you know, there's not exactly clear, there's not exactly a clear idea of what the brain hemorrhaging is going to do. Right. Uh, so a brain hemorrhage can be as routine as a concussion correct. or it could be very much worse. So. It could. Yeah. So it, hopefully, and, and that's the other thing too, is like you get a concussion and you don't necessarily know the whole impact of a concussion. Sure. You know, so ba basically like, basically like it, it's just startling that that happened. I, I think people don't understand, like you, you, you don't really think about punching like in your day-to-day -day life because it really is a concept that's very foreign to you like you just don't engage in violence that often and For if most you're, people yeah if you're really lucky you don't engage in violence ever in your entire life um and i that's a weird phenomena or like so little that you really don't even get the ability to develop a, a real knowledge of it um that's the benefit of living in a modern life that you know, 
upholds Western values. Um, there's a, there's a significant portion of the population that really has no has no relationship with violence. Correct. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing uh, for the growth of the individual. Um, it's definitely a good thing for the for the health of a society. It's definitely a good thing if you if you realize you know very little about it. Sure. Like if you if you realize that it's a miracle that this is happening, and I can't believe that I don't have to live my life scared for my life and engaged in violence to protect it. Like if you don't think that that's truly a miracle, then that's a, that's a little insane. But if you can keep that focus in, then I think it's fine because then you realize that there's this whole world of violence that you're not really in, tuned into. And I think like the thing that's critical here is like one bad punch can kill somebody. Oh yeah, you know, for like sure. you, you, they twist incorrectly, they snap their medulla oblongata, they land funny on the pavement, their brain gets jostled. I mean, like Andy doesn't get like. I mean, maybe he gets punched, like, he probably gets punched, like, less than ten times, right? Right. But, like, he, he got brain hemorrhaging from that. And exactly. you have to th- you have to think about that. Like, that's that's a very, that seems like such a low, itty-bitty little cost. And, and he's a fairly physically unhealthy reporter, not an MMA fighter, so. Sure, I mean, like, yeah, he's not this person that's conditioned to being punched, but most people are not conditioned to being punched. Right. Like, you know, most people don't walk around with cauliflower ear, and there's a reason for that, you And, know? you know, when I was a young buck, I got into my fair share of scraps, and sure. I, we sometimes took off the took off the shirts and had a tilly, had us a bit of a Donnybrook. Okay. But... The, to punch someone hard enough to make them bleed, you've got to... I mean, that's not trivial. Right. Punch someone hard enough to bruise them, you can do that on accident. But to break skin, uh, that's pretty significant. Especially around the eyes, that hurts like a mother. Yeah. So, um, anyhow, they really were trying to do a number on him. And you can see in the video, as he's walking away, then they're throwing milkshakes at them and con- continuing their battery. So... It, reprehensible. That, yeah. Hands down, reprehensible. And this is not the first time that's happened, especially no. not in Oregon. There was a riot that occurred uh, a couple, like, maybe about a year ago, where they effectively took over the entire downtown block of Portland, Antifa did. Right. And they were blocking off roads and redirecting traffic. For no apparent reason or no apparent protest, it seemed like a lot of it had to do with a power trip, just proving to other people that they could ruin their day or could make them do what they want, that they could force people to bend the knee to their I iron will employed by violence. And when one old man tried to defy them and go straight when they wanted him to turn left, they pulled him out of his car and beat him. It's, An old man. It's utterly insane. Um, and, yeah, the old man... There's an argument that the old man may have, like driven through them but if you watch the video it doesn't it doesn't appear to be that way it appears an old man scared he, he didn't run car. anybody over he didn't run anybody over and he didn't swerve to hit anybody but he did speed up when people were next to his car right not not the safest move to make but understandable i think in the circumstances too um yeah when you have all these zombies crowding in around your car right and um, i i think that, but and it's insane and there's a man too that was uh possibly from what I understand, in another one of these riots, Portland just seems to be, like, this place where this is happening. Like, he was... I think he actually went to a crowd and was throwing some punches or was hitting people with something, but in response to that level of violence, he was hit with crowbars. Right. And it's utterly insane. I mean, like, here's the deal. If, if someone was to attack me physically, like, I would respond in some ways in kind to that, but probably as much as I could to de-escalate. Like, I've you know, like, I don't want to fight somebody because there's a huge cost involved in that that I'm not necessarily willing to pay. Um, sure. And, and you know, and 
really, if someone is doing that, I want to return the converse. I want to return us back to rationality as quickly as possible. Right. Or uh, escape. Or escape the threat as quickly as or possible. Or neutralize. Like if you're actually in fear for your life, then just shoot the guy. Well, sure, but yeah, yeah. But if if someone's coming at me with fisticuffs, you know, I'm not I'm not exactly afraid for my life at that point. Although I have some reason to be. Right. Um, but but to respond in kind with beating someone with an iron crowbar just seems. One, why do I have the crowbar? And two, yeah. And two, like, why did I think that was an appropriate response? Well, it's kind of like when Steven Crowder showed up at the uh, at the uh, Ben Shapiro event and did the Antifa sting with Not Gay Jared. Right. Um, they ha- they had brought knives, they had brought ice picks, they had yeah. brought. Uh, they said they had brought guns, although Steven didn't get any of those on film. And so, like, it, it, why are you coming loaded for bear to a demonstration? Mm. Right. Yeah. Uh, the reason is not because you want to defend yourself. Uh, because, especially not in Portland, where the police don't do anything, where they basically just only stand down. Yeah. At the end of the very, at the end of the event in Portland, at the very end, they unloaded some tear gas on some people. Long uh, overdue, in my opinion. Yeah. But well, and I think there's a lot of interesting information around there. But uh, Chris, it seems to me like there's three really interesting directions because I think we've done a good job of showing the problem. But there's obviously some. Good... Antifa sucks. Not to put too fine a point on it. I really appreciate you saying that in your most Bostonian accent. Thanks. Um, but, but I think there's two direct. There's a couple directions here that I think that are really interesting to take the conversation, which are one, just to kind of like give people more history on Antifa, so they kind of understand, you know, who they are, what they've done, and you know, things like that. And then uh, another one is actually you just alluded to it is to talk about the police response to all this because I think most people at this point are asking themselves, how can this just go on unmitigated? Sure. And then third, like. What does what does this say about where we're headed? And I think all three of those are like compelling. I, I, I'll I'll jump down whatever train you think is more compelling, or if you have another one, I'll go with that as well. No, that's good. I think uh, I think we'll probably wind up talking about what comes next. You know, what yeah. does this mean? Uh, I've got some thoughts there. And uh, but first, let's go into a little bit of the history of Antifa because sure. back in the day, Antifa. Maybe Pretty they were cool just pro- protesting. Not well by comparison. I mean, there were still a bunch of whiny brats. Oh no! I mean, like way back in the day, like way, way, way back when they were in actually, 1944. Yeah, when they were actually like <laughs> fighting fascists. When we were fighting Hitler. Yeah. yeah I, and uh, you know, it's also maybe we'll save this for the end, but it's also worthwhile to talk about what fascism is because I, it's a term that everybody uses that no one can define. Sure. Yeah. Um, but maybe we'll Coercion save that. Coercion is end. a part of the definition. Though. Oh, wouldn't you believe it? Wouldn't um, you believe it? So. Uh, at any rate, let's talk about the history a little bit. Sure. Um, so I, I think, I, I think the the moment that they became, and I think they might, there may have been something before this, but I think the moment that I think 2016 Donald Trump getting elected was a huge moment for our country because it, it said three things as far as I'm concerned. One, a huge upset in what we had expected to happen. Sure. Right. The, the odds were not in Donald Trump's favor, to put it mildly. Based on the polls, yeah. Right. Two, this, like, blue, democratic, progressive ideology that was supposed to win, 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 clearly wasn't taking hold in everybody's heart and mind. And I think that was a big thing that came out of there. Um, and, uh, and three, that the response, or, or, I'm sorry, and three, that there was this group of people in America that were being ignored. And I think I think you can take all of those things pretty much, you know, that 
that that's what 2016, in my estimation, showed us. Yeah, and I think one of the most important parts, especially in the Antifa discussion, is the upset, right? The, when exactly. You, when you put all your eggs in, into that basket, when you're a political opponent isn't a guy that sees things different than you, but he's actually Hitler. Right. When you lose, you're full of resentment. And by the way, if you want to call a presidential American candidate Hitler, you're full of resentment already. Yeah, but that, that's a... But it's a difficult pill to swallow. Now there's so much more just unmitigated resentment in the culture, in the milieu of America, uh, because a lot of people basically said, this guy's a buffoon. There's no way he'll ever win. They right. made fun of him. They said every mean thing about him in the book. And look, there's a lot of mean things that have a little, a little validity. There's but, a lot of reasons to not want Trump in the White House. Yeah, fair enough. But you lost. And now there's only resentment because it's the only way to save face. So, and you're, you're exactly right. What should have happened, Christopher, is mea culpa, we need a wake-up call. Right. Right? But what, di- what happened was, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened. We're in a fight for our life. And I think you see that very clearly in, like, two instances. One is, like, the day after the election. I wasn't aware of this, but, like, not necessarily riots, but people were very, very very upset in Portland about this. Yeah. And, and that's an important point because we're going to see as we kind of walk, as we've already said, like Portland's become the hotbed place for this battleground to start getting established. Yeah. If you um, don't have a job and you don't like showering, <laughs> like Portland's really the place for you. And yeah. it's no wonder the Antifa cropped up there. No doubt. Uh, but the other thing is like, I, the other thing I think that fits in here real nicely is like literally that day in like 2016 where uh, liberals, uh, I'm sorry, let's call them leftists, got together and had a scream at the sky event to, you know, basically complain about Donald Trump being yeah. elected president. And if you think I'm kidding, Google that because you will be, you will watch videos of people like, I forget exactly where, but downtown yelling at the sky because Donald Trump was elected president. Yeah. And like, that is not, that's not the proper response that needed to happen there. And look, it makes more sense than the Green New Deal. (laughs) But sure. still not very effective. It didn't kill any cows. And yeah. that's, that's my biggest complaint with it is like, I hate cows and they're delicious. So, so yeah, we had this kind of transformative period. So before that, you know, coming out of the economic downturn of the of the late 2000s, oh, okay. we had this group rise up and it was the Tea Party movement, right? Sure. This kind of grassroots route. And then, of course, they're Nazis. And then after that, we had uh, March on Wall Street. What, what was that group called? Was that, it uh, was the, the, you know, this is where the 99%, 1% rhetoric got all big. What was that group called? Uh, yeah, you kind of Ocup- Occupy. Occupy, yeah. Occupy Wall Street. And then you're right, as we have got closer and closer to the election and after the election was over in, in late 2015, I guess. Yeah. There was this switch where you started hearing more and more about Antifa and less and less about Occupy. It was, it's the, it's a very similar ideological movement, but it's this progression that it's taken from people that pee outside in, uh, outside of your restaurant in a public square. Right. Or they, they beat up reporters and force people, force traffic in yes. specific directions. Yes. And so it's this it's this it's the same group uh, and it's the and Antifa was definitely an outgrowth of Occupy, but you can see this escalation of means. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point cuz a good before we actually kind of get to that, you know, where, when did they actually come onto the scene in America American life and politics? What are the what is the policy that's guiding them? Like what's sure. the philosophy? And I think it I think it's best summed up this way. Um, and, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it the statement. I'm not going to give the fallacies to it. 
and I think the statement itself is just problematic on its head uh, without any without any of that extra work. Sure. Um, fascists, when they arise or seem to arise in our nation, we have the right to take self-defense before any action is taken place. Right. And, and it's essentially saying that just because we've identified you as fascist gives us the right to throw the first punch. Exactly. Uh, this is because uh, right around the election, there was he will not divide us and punch a Nazi, and Richard Spencer got yes. hit. Yes. Which, by the way, if I was a if I was a coddled, spiteful child, and I got to punch someone, Richard Spencer would be at the top of my list. But I don't think I just get to punch Richard Spencer if he's not being well, violent. Don't you hit people when they take your toys when you're a child? Yeah. Like, like I mean, it, it, it's the definition of child. Like, yeah, exactly. It's not, how, it's not how adults handle problems. But it's see, not how culture handles problems. One thing I want to point out while we're going this way is that sure. what we saw in America between Occupy and and Antifa was a it was a sliver of the the Derridan revolution and redefining of Marxism, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're still fighting the same enemies. They're still fighting anybody that doesn't see, um, you know, intersectionality as the highest good. Sure. They're still fighting anybody that believes in conservative fiscal policy. Yeah. They're still fighting anyone who has uh, questions about the social agenda of the left. Yeah. They're not really changing their enemy. Yeah. And they're and they're still leaving the same casualties in their wake, like the small business owners mm. and the, the folks of the people who want to use the roads freely of certain cities and whatever. Right. But it was the same type of revolution because Occupy Wall Street was directed at the capitalists. Mm. And then that didn't work. So what did they do? They turned it into an oppressor versus oppressed thing. Just like it was the bourgeois and the proletariat, it's the common people, the 99% against the 1%, just like it was Occupy Wall Street against the big banks, right? Uh, basically fighting capitalism when they realized that that wasn't a compelling narrative and that they could get more done with a bar of dove soap than they could with their entire movement they <laughs> s transitioned into okay now you're not capitalists now you're fascists and I, we're anti-fascists i actually think that the argument you're putting forth is pretty compelling the the uh the line you're drawing from occupy to and Antifa, which is like, we're not going to lose face, we're going to double down. Yeah, well, ex exactly. And, but, and but, the, but, but, the 2016 election galvanized that movement. I, I think you're right. But, but Mike, one question to you is, do, do you have anything, like, specific that you can tie to that? Just just out of curiosity, like, is there is there a head of that movement going to the other? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, or is it, or are you just putting the philosophy together that people were getting pulled into this idea already. There are direct ties. I can't, I can't be specific with that right now. Okay. I've researched it before, not recently, so I'm not going to speak off topic, but yes, organizers for Occupy and organizers for Antifa have overlap in their Venn diagram there. That's really compelling. I think we should do our best to like, just name a little bit of that next time, not make it a huge deal, but just say something. Cause I think like, I think that's really important for people to see that it, it's, it's a growth of that idea, not well, a, it's not only that, but also funding groups. Um, oh, I'm really? sorry. I hit, I hit the microphone. Um, hi, you clipped. Yeah, I did <laughs> pretty bad. Um, right. So there's, there's movements behind it that are generated from similar means and then there's there's like members as that's evolved yeah but at any rate um and i'm not saying that anyone who was in occupy is down with antifa i'm not saying that no what i'm that, saying is fun. that it's an outgrowth of the same milieu but the thing that is very clear is that their objectives are exactly the same they're both guided basically by marxism yeah and they, they thought they were the proletariat, and now they think they are the oppressed. Yeah. 
That's, so, that's really good. Um, yeah, and so I which, think... Which is exactly what Derrida did to Marxism. So. Right. Yeah, good point. And I th- so, yeah, and that, that kind of lays out the groundwork, I think, for, like, who they are, why they why they should have come onto the scene. And then we... Is it, I believe, in 2016 uh, at, at Berkeley University, we have our first major event that takes place. Um, and... They tried to light Milo on fire. They tried to light it. So, yeah. So, and I think there was actually two events that happened here. I think Milo was one of them. I think one of them was his free speech rally. And I think some of the tactics used at both of these events get a little cross up. So we might, we might do that today, but it doesn't really matter in which one they happen. And and a lot of the, a lot of the instances, like the same thing happened at both events, like, yeah. So it's it's a little mute in a moot, excuse me. Um, but but Milo and a free speech rally are obviously very very different things. Um, if you don't know, free speech is you know that thing that allows us to say the things we want. And Milo Yiolanopoulos was a writer for Breitbart News who has been expelled because of some awful things he said about uh, pedophilia for to make it really simple, really quickly. Uh, of which he is a victim. I, I, which he is a victim. I, and, I, I don't. I don't entirely agree with throwing Milo completely under the bus, but um, I don't necessarily. He, he did say some things that he shouldn't have said. He for did, sure. and I think he agrees with that. And yeah. I, I am not an apologist for him. And I, I feel, and I also feel like Milo goes way too far in a lot of things he does, yeah, and I do yeah. not like him. Um, but, but you are correct. He was vilified in a way that was. He should not have said that thing publicly is the thing, but I do not, I, I think he was definitely vilified, and I think we've removed every possible way for him to be redeemed, and I think that's a problem. Yeah, I agree. So, and, and, and anyway. But at any rate, he's the, that's best, not what we're talking he's the about. best looking male right-wing pundit, period. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so, basically, Antifa shows up to these riots, and, um, and does some, and this is the first time, like, they've come on the scene in a major way, because at both the free speech rally free speech and at the uh 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 milo's rally um which were basically one was kind of a celebration of trumpism which milo was a huge part of and the other one was like people need to be able to say what they need to say which is something berkeley has taken in place in like literally since its inception because it used to be a left-wing priority right Um, and so like they, they they show up there and they basically riot against the the, the conservative group, whichever one it is they're aligned at the time, to the point of literally throwing M-80s into crowds and yep. like... Lighting they, stuff on fire. Right. Throwing people, trash cans and benches through glass doors. There's literally a, a clip of a professor, which is insane I, I think it from Berkeley who who is dressed up in the Antifa's traditional balaclava and clocks a conservative bystander in the face with a bike lock like it's it's yeah. utterly insane, and I anyway. But those yeah. who can do, and those who can't teach, and then throw a tantrum and throw bike locks, um, and those who can't teach hit people with bike locks. Yeah, I guess so <laughs> if you can't do either, yeah, you um, might as well do one. So anyway, they came on the scene. They started violence. So so basically, we were anti-capitalist. Then the Trump phenomenon came around. Instead of admitting that we were wrong, we doubled down, and then we started hitting people with bike locks and lighting crap on fire. And I think for me, Christopher, when I saw that, my first thought was, "Oh my God, we're done." And I I think I thought that this was going to be the thing that marked Trump's presidency was the continuous growing and in intensity street riots and for the most part I think I've been wrong on that point until now 
Well, okay, so at least in microcosms, a riot is the complete dissolution of the social fabric, right? Exactly. It's like, we're not going to play the game we play anymore. And I th But it's not as extreme as a war. We should clarify that, too. Well, it's, yeah, but on a certain, it depends on your scale, right? Like, so it's Sure, not, it does depend on the scale. It's not a full-fledged war, but in the moment, that is a complete rupturing of, of the social contract. Yes. And so there is something that is significant about it. But instead, I guess the only difference about it, and you're, you're making a fantastic point, the only difference about it is the police state is still there to intervene. Whereas if it's in a war, it's a military state. And that, 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 that is a different context of force being used to corral the public. But, sure, but sure. I, but, I, but I agree with you. Like, It's the same agreement from the sides involved is that we're not going to be civilized anymore. Right. And the problem has gotten so bad that it's going to require violence. And I think that when Trump first, first got elected that we, there was a... a legitimate concern that that was going to become the new normal. Yes. And it it really hasn't in most places. Yeah. Um, Portland maybe being an exception. And maybe that was where we switch gears a little bit to the police response. I, I think we just have to mention Charlottesville here. Oh. For, for, no, for no other reason than saying that some right-wing people took it way too far. Yeah, and, absolutely. And did some horrible things. And Antifa was there as well. And Trump said a really stupid thing and saying that, you know, there were good people Trump, on both Trump sides. Trump said an evil thing. An but. evil thing is probably the best way to say it. It's really insane because in the same talk, he says a terribly evil thing, which is there are good people on both sides. And one side was Nazis and the other side was peaceful protesters and, uh, and Antifa. Like, they were both there. And a peaceful protester did get murdered by a right-wing horrible Nazi. Yes. And, but, but... In that same sentence, he also condemns Nazism. It's like he is the most... And right-wing extremist. He's just... He's so bad at just doing the job of being decent. Yeah. and, it, and it, it's, it's, it's so frustrating because, like, you can literally rewind that tape and show a different segment that proves everybody's theory about Trump correct. And right. that's terrifying. Right. Anyway. And it just proves how bad he is at rhetoric. Sure. What, what we hate here at Carl Pooling is pandering. Yeah. And when you and pick hair. And yeah, well, that's like notwithstanding. <laughs> and, and you know what? It's one more thing I like about Milo, the hair. Um Jeez, the, Chris. the thing is if we hate pandering cuz pandering is playing to people's worst uh their worst sensibilities yeah. basically and then trying to take advantage of them or have le allowing them to take advantage of you. Yeah. That's what pandering is all about at its core. And when uh, Joe Biden panders to black people and says they're going to put y'all back in chains about and, Mitt Romney. Yeah, and when when Trump panders to the alt right and says there were good people on both sides, nonsense. Nonsense. Just say it like it is. Now there Call was there was Duke. good and bad people at Charlottesville on the on the left, but there was only bad people in Charlottesville on the right. Correct. By and large, I'm by not saying large. that completely dispositively, but by and large, they were they were all they were all I'm trying not to swear. They all sucked. And There we go. And the reason is is because when it show, when it came about that Spencer was showing up and all of these these um, members of the clan were going to be in Charlottesville, yep. a lot of good people pulled out because yes, they didn't that, want to be associated with that it. That is actually true. Yeah, they they left. Yeah, so the so that was a heinously evil thing for Trump to say in my estimation, and yet he still condemns Nazism. Uh, is he a buffoon? Is he uh, intentionally duplicitous hard to say are you still responsible for the things that you say as a buffoon yes oh yeah so condemn him and the alt-right you guys can go get bent too i don't uh, like if there's still any any just uh illusion that we have any any um 
amicability toward the alt-right on this show. Let me dispel that now. You guys absolutely suck, and you need to be excised from our movement. And when things like, uh, what, Roy Moore? Was it Roy Moore? Uh, the weirdo? Uh, the Alabama dude? Point point I'm making is that sometimes on the right, we actually do expel people from our parties. Yes. So let me do my part here to say... Anybody that associates with the alt-right or identifies themselves as alt-right, you can go ahead and get out. I'm not about what you're about. No, we're not. We, 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 there's, there's no, no spot in my heart whatsoever that gives any credence or support to that movement. Yeah, you guys, all. you guys are just as pathetic, if not more pathetic than the, than the leftists. Because I, yes. you're playing the same identity politics games and you're even more whiny and obscene about it. So, in my in my opinion, like it, the left is harder to define because we haven't done a good job of doing that. But like, you are claiming superiority for nothing that you've done, and it's like you won the lottery, and now you get to and now you get to uh, say that you're something special. There's actually this. I haven't taken the time to read this so much, but there's a great book uh, that I just became aware of called uh, what is it? Uh, Guns germs and steel and it basically shows that one of the reasons that you know capitalism and all that flourished in certain places and technology flourished is mainly to do with the fact that uh, those three things guns germs and steel and it, like huh. the fact that they didn't necessarily affect all people equally is one of the main reasons that we see such flourishing in the western world which is just just put just deal with the fact that you haven't thought about that yet Deal with right. the fact that's not a part of your paradigm yet, and then say that you're superior because you've got a certain color of skin. Get out of here. It's yeah. ridiculous. Absolutely, absolutely nonsensical. Yeah. Um, uh, just as nonsensical as Antifa saying that, you know, that the white devils are keeping us all down. I mean, it almost sounds like, like you know, blood libel arguments that people would make against the Jews at this point. It's ridiculous. But at, at any rate... Um, you know, we're, we're coming is, up on 40 minutes here. I was thinking, like, honestly, I have probably enough in the tank to do another 40. I definitely do, about too. About this, too. I think so, this is a two-parter. Yeah, that's fine. So, when we come back next time, let's talk about, specifically, the microcosm of Portland and what happened to Portland. I agree. Because now, that leads us in perfectly to what comes next. If we stop policing these people because of fear for our jobs, our livelihoods, etc., whatever, if we stop enforcing the laws that keep people from acting like uh, pedantic children throwing their toys out of the crib every moment, then what what comes next and what do we have in store? And I've got a lot of thoughts, especially given the framework that I set up, that this is the obvious evolution of the instantiation of Marxist ideology in a political movement, Yeah. Um, and the, the uh, evolution of that into cultural Marxism, uh, where we go next and I it's not good no and just as a teaser for probably where you can see me and Chris's thoughts going on this is know that on August 17th the Proud Boys which is a right wing group that basically goes around and fights Antifa is planning to demonstrate within Portland and it was in response to this reporter being attacked is Papa Gavin going to be there uh, I, I don't I don't know any more than what I just said okay so but but just just be aware of that one fact and if that doesn't make you a little bit fearful, uh, I would suggest you haven't thought very deeply about uh, what that means. I can't imagine Gavin McGinnis showing up in Portland with the Proud Boys and oh. not being a slam dam. Oh, no, Gavin's not coming. Gavin's just associated with the Proud Boys. Yeah, oh, I, I know that. That's why I was curious. Ah, I see what you're saying. Um, I, I might have misspoke. Um, no, no, no. You did say it was the Proud Boys. I just, with Gavin being on the outs with CRTV and everything, I just had no idea. Got it. Um, well, so, cool. what he was up to anymore. Gotcha. So, 
at any rate, yeah, and that that's a huge deal. And you know, we'll talk about the continued dissolution of of the social fabric and what we have left. And uh, if you're a member of Antifa, how you can grow a spine and maybe drop a couple testes and become a man one day. That'd we'll talk so about all that. You. Yeah, that'd be really healthy for you. Guys, that has been Carl Pooling. Thank you so much for coming on this great ride with us. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at, um, at Carl Pooling. You can follow me at Emotional Carl at the same uh, social sites. And you can follow Chris X Carl at the same as well. Uh, we got a Facebook page. Go check that out. We got a website, carlpooling.com. You could email the show at carlpooling at gmail.com. Uh, anything else we say right here? Rate us. Review us. Yeah, Go on to iTunes. all those places. Go do it right now. We're about to hit 500 subbies tonight. I'm We're really so excited. forward to that. So thank you for everyone who's been sharing and listening to the show. Man, we appreciate it so much. You guys have been a great audience. Uh, write in. Tell us what you're thinking. If you've got thoughts on Antifa, if you've got thoughts on where we're going, we'd love to read those next week. Yep. And, uh, and you know, uh, boys and girls, it's a weird world out there. Up is down. Right is wrong. Ariel's black. But all you can do in the madness is get tested. All right, Oh, <laughs> get out of the back seat for a home. <laughs>